You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Episode 180 of That One Time on Tour is brought to you by the band Compilations. Compilations is a band from Austin, Texas, playing melodic punk rock for fans of Game Face, Jimmy Eat World, and Texas is the Reason. In the spirit of recording a cassette or a CD comp, songwriter Terry Irwin invited some of his favorite vocalists to sing on each track. Overwhelmed features Francis Garcia of Fourth Grade Nothing and Pop Unknown on vocals. This unreleased song will be available on the upcoming vinyl EP release on Diverse Chorus Records and Bearded Punk Records in June 2022. For more information on compilations, you can find them on all of the streaming platforms as well as compilationsband.com. Now here it is, their new song, Overwhelmed. wonder what a punch from Elton John feels like? Or how you'd cope with having turned down the chance to be in Nirvana? Or what signal Keith Richards gives when he wants you to get the hell out of his hotel room? Fans of Too Much Effie Perspective don't have to wonder, because they've heard these exact stories and a jillion others on our podcast. I'm Alex Hoffman, former tour manager for Radiohead. And I'm musician and comedy writer Alan Keller. 
On the TMEP show, we get guests like Nancy Wilson from Heart, Jeremiah Freights from the Lumineers, and Modern Family's Julie Bowen to tell us things they may have only shared with their therapist, clergy, or a TMZ stringer. So join us on Too Much Effing Perspective. That's E-F-F-I-N-G Perspective. The only podcast you crank up to 11. Now this is Chris. This is Kevin. From the band Elliot, and you're listening to That One Time on Tour. Hey, everybody out there in podcast land, what is going on? As always, this is Chris Swinney, and I am your host for that one time on tour. If this is your first time joining me, this is my podcast where I get to sit down with somebody in or around the entertainment industry, and we always have a stellar conversation. What's going on out there? I hope you guys are all doing well. Sorry that I've been MIA for the last couple weeks. Uh, We moved into our new house, and then my kids and my wife and myself and everybody, even the cat, seemed like we had the flu forever. Uh, So yeah, it's been we've been in the house for about a month now, and it's just been so hectic and crazy. Everyone's been sick. It's been crazy. The stomach bug that has been going around, it's no joke. Uh, If you've had it, I feel bad for you because I had it. And uh, I had a fever of 104, and it was some of the most violent, like, uh, vomiting I've ever had in my life. Sorry to get graphic, but it was pretty, pretty violent. I almost had to go to the hospital, but I'm good now. Everyone else in the family is good. Time to jump back into doing the podcast. Um, You know, there's been some other stuff, too. I had a couple guests that rescheduled. We were doing stuff in March and in April, but it got pushed to May, so... uh, yeah, it's just been it's been hard to get these episodes out as of late, but uh, I'm not going anywhere, and I'm very very happy that you know you're still here, you're still with me. It will pick back up shortly. I promise you. I have some really really cool guests coming up in the future, and some cool like little weird episodes that I'm gonna do as well. So some other stuff that I've been doing in the meantime, I've been working really hard on the new fire sale full length record that will be released later this year. Um, We have one more song to track vocals for, and then we are finished. The other songs are already in the mixing process, and uh, we couldn't be more excited to share these new tunes with all of you out there. And thanks to everybody that bought the debut seven inch So it's been selling like crazy. You can still get some copies, uh, I think, at different distributors like Kings Road merch and uh, Spam Records in Europe and just a lot of different places. You know, if you go to firesaleisaband.com, I'm sure you can still find all the links and everything or just follow us on the socials. All the links are there if you want to get a copy of the 7-inch before it's sold out. I don't know if it's going to be repressed, so if you want to get one, you got to get one soon but uh some cool stuff going on for fire sale 
I uh, found out recently that our single Dark Hearts was added into rotation over on Sirius XM channel 314, which is the Faction Punk station. And uh, it's been really, really cool. If you hear us on there, take a pic, post it, and tag us. A lot of people have been doing that lately. It's crazy how many people have hit us up because they heard us on satellite radio. I, I didn't. I don't know, man. It was cool. They're like, oh, we're going to be on satellite radio. But I didn't realize that it would be this like immediate kind of response from people saying, wow, I really like you guys. And it's, I don't know. It's cool. It's cool to get played on satellite radio. <laughs> I even, I got to do like a little like, hey, this is Chris. I got to do a little intro for the song and everything. So if you have Sirius XM satellite radio, tune to channel 314, which is the Faction Punk station and uh, listen for Dark Hearts by Fire Sale. It's uh pretty cool so thanks everybody out there that has hit me up and uh checked out the band because of satellite radio i appreciate it so let's talk about today's episode today's a cool episode it's a big one for me uh i got to sit down and have a chat with chris and kevin from the band elliot i love this band so much if you aren't familiar with elliot you need to check them out uh if you like any bands from, you know, the emo slash emo core slash whatever you call it genre, they were probably influenced by Elliot. Elliot's great band, kind of from my neck of the woods. They're from Louisville, Kentucky. And I just remember hearing their record, False Cathedrals, and it had a huge impact on me back in the day. Like I was way into punk rock, way into metal, and I never really heard anything kind of the way they were doing stuff like pretty and melodic and there were keyboards and, but it wasn't like cheesy, like emo gets a bad rep, you know, like people say, Oh, that's emo. But this was kind of like that. I'm, I'm wanting to say probably, I guess second or third wave. It wasn't first wave, like rights of spring and all the DC, you know, like discord stuff. It was that other wave. And, uh, it's just that kind of Midwest, slash emo, slash indie, slash I don't even know, but just pretty guitars next to heavy guitars and like flourishing keyboard parts, and it's just so melodic, and it spoke to me, and it kind of changed how I thought about music, and uh, it's really, really cool getting to have these guys on the show, because I was a massive fan of this band, and they've been broke up forever, and I did not think that I would ever get to sit down and have a chat with uh, the guys from Elliot, but it happened. Um, one reason it happened is that they got back together. They are reuniting to play Furnace Fest this year down in Alabama, and uh, it was the perfect time to reach out and ask them to be on the show because they actually have some stuff going on. You know, I've had some people on the show before that were in bands that kind of broke up or they're no longer playing, and and it's cool when they have those on there, but, it, you know, I just, I guess I wouldn't even have known how to really get in touch with the guys in Elliot, but they're, they've got some stuff going on. So they came on the show and we had a really, really good chat. And, uh, Furnace Fest is stacked this year. If you thought it was crazy last year, I mean, Thrice is playing the entire Illusion of Safety album. It's pretty, pretty crazy. So, uh, shout out to Chad and all my, my dudes over at Furnace Fest. I hope that the tickets are selling briskly and, uh, I'm going to try to make it down there for, I mean, there's so many bands that I love, but seeing Elliot live would be a treat. So if you're heading down there, make sure to uh, to educate yourself on these guys, on Elliot. And uh, yeah, you won't be sorry. So before I get to my chat with 
Kevin, and Chris from the band Elliot. And that's Elliot with two T's, E-L-L-I-O-T-T. I'm going to do a little housekeeping. We have some sponsors like we always do on today's episode. Compilations, compilationsband.com. Really, really cool band where uh, my buddy Terry gets different singers from bands he likes to sing on his songs. It's a really, really cool idea, and uh, I love it. This is like the second or third time they've sponsored, so Terry and uh, guys in compilations, thank you. I guess it's just kind of Terry. So compilationsband.com. Terry, thank you so much for sponsoring. I love what you do, and uh, I'm a fan. I'm a fan, man. If you ever need me to play some guitar, let me know. (laughs) Uh, Next up, we got partscasterconcierge.com. My buddy Gary, he builds guitars. He built me an awesome guitar. He needs to build one for you. Check it out, partscasterconcierge.com. Gary's actually coming over this next Tuesday, I believe, and I'm going to do some review videos for some of his new guitars that he built, and I'm going to try to get him to do an episode with me. So uh, you'll be hearing from Gary shortly on the podcast about everything that it goes into building amazing boutique guitars. So if you're into that, it's going to be really cool. Last up, we have Permanence Tattoo Gallery, uh, the only place I get tattooed well, in central Indiana anyway. And uh, you need to check them out at Permanence Tattoo Gallery on all of the socials. They're pretty booked up, but if you want to get some good ink, that is the place to go. And all of these sponsors, the bands and the companies and everything, if you guys don't want to rewind and hear all the info to check them out, it's all on the, the show notes. You can go to your app of choice, hit the details on the episode. All the links will be there. Also, TOTOTpodcast.com, every episode has its own little website. So you go there, you hit the the icon for the episode, and all of the links and everything, all the information, links to Spotify and different like YouTube stuff for the artists that are on the show, anything you want is on the episode page in the show notes. And uh, check it out. It'll be really cool if you did. If you have a band or a company and you would like to sponsor an episode of that one time on tour, it is completely easy to do. Just shoot me a DM on the socials at TOTOT podcast or shoot me an email TOTOT podcast at gmail.com and we will take care of it. I work with all budgets, so don't be scared. If you have a tiny budget, just hit me up and we will make it happen. I'm just trying to keep the lights on over here at Swinney HQ. If you want to make a one-time donation, you're feeling generous, you can hit up my personal Venmo that is at Christopher Swinney, C-H-R-I-S-T-O-P-H-E-R-S-W-I-N-N-E-Y. The easiest way to support is to subscribe, rate, and review wherever you listen and tell a friend. If you think this is a cool show, it's got some value, tell a buddy. Let's get everybody listening. And uh, I will get back, like I said, soon to having weekly content. But uh, uh, I've been bad lately, but I've had a lot going on. So uh, I'd like to give a shout out, like I always do, to our art director, Sarah, over at Road Dog Supply. Make sure to follow her on Instagram and Facebook at Road Dog Supply. And if you need merch done or if you need any kind of website stuff or, or any any sort of content, like whatever, hit her up at Road Dog Supply. Okay, so we do have a radio segment today, so cue the theme music.
on this edition of TOTOT Radio, I wanted to tell you about a band that I've been checking out quite a bit lately. They are a past sponsor of the podcast, and I am talking about the Hollow Ends out of St. Louis. Um, I, I love this band, and uh, I've got a really cool song I'm going to play today from them. And I think that you'll enjoy them. I'm trying to turn you on to some new artists that I think you would like. So I'm going to read a little blurb that is on their site for the new project they have. And then I'll play the song. So they are working on this. It says, in early 2021, a handful of St. Louis musician buds with their own respective projects had a half-baked and frankly pretty stupid idea to make a handful of simple live performance videos. By midsummer, the project morphed into a full-fledged amateur production with a St. Louis theater company donating their theater space and a full film crew of friends and fellow artists. The final, the final product, which they called the Bright Light Sessions, was nine live performance videos on three sets, all shot in less than 24 hours, with songs by St. Louis artists SGL and The Hollow Ends. SGL, Tawani himself, and the Hollowins. I missed that. I don't know if Taywayne, Tawani. I'm, I don't know if I'm saying that right. I apologize. But uh, the videos are being released one at a time on YouTube, and the audio is, on, is going to be released on all of the streaming platforms every week through May 2022. Really, really cool. I, I love it. Not only, you know, you're a band, you're putting out cool music, you're doing all this stuff, but then you do these cool, like, projects like that. And it's... And I think the pandemic was a time that really bred creativity. I mean, myself, I started a band, I put out a record. But bands like this, I mean, now that people are getting back together and you can do it, you're still using that technology. You're still doing these cool collaborations and just trying to create really cool art. And uh, the Hollowins are a band that does that consistently. And I really, really dig this band. And I think you're going to dig it as well. If you want to check out more information on The Hollow Ends, you can find them on all the streaming platforms, or you can go to their website, thehollowends.com. All of this information will be on uh, the, the show notes as well if you want to check it out. But we're going to listen to their song from one of these nine live performance videos that they call The Bright Light Sessions. This is The Hollow Ends with Coddle Eyed. Check it out.
There it was, Cotillide by the Hollow Winds. I hope you guys like that as much as I do. I don't know. That's I just like so many different kinds of music. And I know this is like kind of a punk rock podcast, but that's pretty punk rock. I, I love the vocals. I love the melodies, the harmonies. And that's live. No doctored up crap. No Pro Tools. That's live. So uh, yeah, I hope you guys will check out the Hollow Ends and love them as much as I do. You can find them on all of the streaming platforms and you can check them out with all the links and everything you need at thehollowends.com. Love that song. Thanks guys. That that song is awesome. Thanks for sending it to me. Um that's it. Check out the Hollow Ends. And now I'm going to jump into what you came for. This intro was a little longer than the ones have been lately, but I've been gone for so long that I didn't think you would mind. So uh, we're going to jump right into my conversation right now with Chris Higdon and Kevin Ratterman from the awesome band Elliot. Here we go. And I'm on the line with Chris and Kevin from the band Elliot. I could not be... More excited and honored to have you guys on. You know, before I let you speak, I want to let you know I've been listening for a long time. And when I started this podcast back in 2018, you were actually on my list. But I'm like, those guys will never do it because the band's not around anymore. And, and you know, I, I had uh, Chad from Furnace Fest on last year. And uh, we've stayed kind of in contact. And, and when I saw that you guys were going to be on there, I was like, oh, my God, they're back. And I was so excited and I reached out and now we're talking on fucking zoom, man. It's crazy. How you guys doing? Doing great, man. No, thank you for having us. And 
Yeah, we're so honored that you would take the time out of your day to talk to us. Well, I mean, you guys, you know, I I grew up punk rock and metal, and sometime around junior senior year, I found out about like you know kind of the Midwest emo stuff. I'm not sure what wave it was. I haven't dug that deep, but you guys really kind of hit me when I heard, I mean, I heard you guys on the first seven inch before false cathedrals or any of the revelation stuff, because I was, a I was into boy sets fire and they were on initial the day the sun went, went out, came out on initial and through that mailing list catalog is kind of how I found out about you guys. So Let's talk a little bit before we get into your back, you're doing Furnace Fest, all this stuff. I, I like to dig pretty deep, you know? Sure. So you guys formed in Louisville, Kentucky in 1995. I'm from Muncie, Indiana, so I'm not that far away from you guys. Right, right. And when you guys formed, I know it was out of the ashes of some other bands, but when you guys formed, what kind of stuff were you listening to? Because that sound at that time was kind of fresh and new and like, it, t- it spoke to me. So what were the influences that went in when you guys first started the band? So when we first started, um, that was pretty much coming out of the band falling forward. And so it was Ben and Jonathan, myself, and then Jay uh, was also uh, started Elliot together. And so we were all listening to kind of different stuff. Um, Ben would go on from that point that was on that seven inch. He would, he moved to New York and uh, went to college and, and that's when Kevin joined in. Um, but for that first seven inch, I mean, you know, I'm, I've always kind of stuck to my, to some of the same bands that I've always been influenced by. And then everybody else kind of comes in with theirs, but I've always been influenced by like the early DC stuff. Um, and even the stuff that was coming up, you know, that seven inch and even um, U.S. songs, you know, it's got that strange uh, kind of Farfisa keyboard yeah. thing going on. And like, I mean, we were just we we're trying to open up and trying to get different influences in. I mean, I was listening to bands like Five Style and and uh, Delta 72 and, you know, but, but it, anything that I would be influenced by I wasn't really good enough to like make it sound like it <laughs> so everybody else kind of brought it in and it went through the the filter of Elliot and you know whatever came out on the other side Chris Chris always downplayed his musical ability yet his musical ability is absolutely amazing well I, I had I've 100% had more ambition than than talent but it was, you know, being around the guys that we were around. I mean, it was, that's what made it. Well, I, I think having ambition kind of maybe that outweighs talent. I think that's a lot of success stories throughout the years in music. I mean, you've got to have that ambition, right? Yeah. It's just got to be weighed. Always been all heart. We're an all heart band, you know? So, <laughs> so yeah, can- there wasn't, it wasn't uh, super planned out. Yeah. Uh, very well. So Kevin, he said you joined after that seven inch. Uh, mm-hmm. Were you playing in a band before that? And like, how did you kind of come to the attention of the guys in Elliot? Yeah. Well, we had all kind of played in like punk and hardcore bands, you know, for the, 
you know, five years prior to that growing up. So we all knew one another um, in Louisville. And I played in a band before that called Rays with a bunch of my best friends that I went to high school with that all went on to start another band called VHS or Beta that was more of like a kind of dance, kind of punk thing, kind of a decadaft punk thing. But Rays, the band that we were in before, was kind of a Dinosaur Jr. smashing pumpkins, you know, kind of thing. And, and Sonic Youth, we were listening to a lot of that stuff. And then also some like Quicksand and like early Radiohead and, you know, kind of things like that. And then um, I had always just actually Chris and, and my stepbrother were really close friends. And so Chris had kind of like been at, in and out of the house and like knew that I played drums, you know, and had seen me play. And um, and so when Ben left the band, you know, just out of accessibility like that, you know, and like me and Chris had always gone along, you know, and, and, and asked if I was interested in playing. And I was just so excited to be with people that were so passionate, you know, cause a lot of my friends growing up whom I still love have always just been like very, you know, like kind of, you know, a, a lot of talk and they were always, they, I, I ran around with haters, <laughs> you know, people that like would trash talk everything, but didn't do anything, you yeah. know? And so I'm so excited to finally be in a band with people that were like, we're getting the band, we're making records. Like we're, re well, let's go, you know? And uh, that was so exciting. And um, and I always loved this. And, and um, yeah, so that's how it started for me. So I want to fast forward a little bit. I know that you guys, you know, you did some more stuff with Initial. You put out some other seven inches. Uh, I think you put out that first U.S. songs. Was that on Revelation or was that on was on Initial? That was a Revelation. So how did how did that relationship start? Because at that time, you know, as someone, I was playing in bands at that time, but I was, you know, fresh out of high school. Nothing was really going on. We were doing small tours, but, you know, it wasn't like, I guess I'm not going to say the big time, but there were no labels involved at that point for me. Revelation right. to me felt like, like, you know, like a fat records of punk. It was kind of like that with hardcore and like emo and stuff. It seemed larger than life to a guy that loved underground music. Initial seemed like a pretty good label, but that jump to Revelation, how did that happen? So correct me if I'm wrong, Kevin, but I think we were, we were out in LA recording. Um, we, there's a crazy story all about that and, and, and how we, we got, we got kind of worked into like a development deal on the publishing side of things and which was a crazy story, but then we were out in LA and it, Oh, that's still great. Yeah. Well, I was, at the time, I don't know if you ever been in Louisville. Uh, I was working at uh, Ear Ecstasy. So okay. I, like, yeah, yeah. I had, I had all the like jobs you do, you know, if you're in the music scene. You know, like I, I worked at Kinko's. I worked at Ear Ecstasy. I drove cabs. But um, so one time, this guy came in and he was just buying everything Louisville. I mean, he probably spent an easy six hundred bucks wow. on stacks of CDs, everything you get. So, so I was helping him and, and he was buying stuff and, and his name was Ron Moss. And, you know, he's, he definitely has a, you know, a big part of Elliot's kind of history um, to the point of where like we were already going and we were a band. Um, but he was, you know, basically he was buying anything he could to find out about Louisville bands. 
he was staying in Nashville at the time, I think, or, but uh, he was they, basically traveling. Oh, go ahead, Kevin. You couldn't find stuff on the internet, you know? So like part of his job was just to go to a town and go to the local record store and be like, what is happening here? <laughs> you know? Yeah. And, uh, you know, I think it has something to do with, you know, his dad kind of did the same thing. It was very, um, uh, what, what would you say? I guess just very organic the way that things used to be, you know? Um, and so he was trying to follow in his dad's footsteps, trying to really like just get involved with uh, actual musicians um, instead of just the kind of Hollywood scene of things. And, his dad um, was the M of A&M. Oh. So, yeah. So yeah. Uh, uh, Herb Alpert and, and, and Ron's dad started yeah. a and together. So he was following the footsteps to, to connect that story. Yeah. So he, he basically came in and uh, sold him a bunch of everybody's stuff. And then at the end, he was leaving. I was like, oh, hey, I've got, you know, a bunch of stuff in the bottom of my car, you know, the, on the floorboard. You, you know, I was like, let me give you some stuff. So I gave him a bunch of stuff. Um, our friends in a band called Out, you know, everybody's demos that are just kind of littering my car. And, uh, of course, I threw ours in, but I didn't say anything like, hey, this is my band. I was just threw it in the mix. Um, and about an hour or so later, he's on his way to Nashville. And he's like, hey, what's up with this band, Elliot? I was like, oh, well, you know, that's 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 our band. And uh, he's like, where are you playing? And I was like, yeah, we're playing actually this Sunday. Uh, so he turned around and then came to that show. And that's how we got hooked up with him. And that show, luckily for us, was a Snapcase refused wow. <laughs> Elliot show. So he comes in and he just sees, you know, these kids lined around the, you know, the block for Snapcase and refused. And, you know, the, you know, I'm sure some, I don't even know how much we had been playing at that point. Well, I mean, and I can see that a guy like that might not know the draw that Snapcase and refused had at that time. So maybe he's just thinking it's you guys, right? Yeah, well, yeah. And I think, and I think he really, was, he was just interested. He just saw that. He saw that scene. Yeah. And so it was just like, wow, like, I, I don't, you didn't have a pulse on that scene. It was like, you know, pretty, um, you know, it was a, the hottest show I think we've ever played. It was, I mean, people, bands, we would play like two or three songs and then everybody in the whole club would leave, <laughs> get, go outside and then come back in and yeah. then the band would play a few more. Like it was that hot. It was insane. But, um, so it was a great show for him to see. And from that point, we kind of, he helped us with, uh, really helped us get in like with different studios. Uh, we went and recorded at uh, Easley Studio in Memphis. And then uh, we're out in LA to finish up uh, the recordings for US songs. And um, I don't know why it never hit me to like, talk to our friends that were on, you know, like, I just, I wasn't good with kind of playing that game, but he was like, Hey, what labels, you know, would you be interested in? And Rev was on that list. And so he just, we called up uh, Revelation and invite him to the show we were playing. And that's kind of where, it, how it all happened. Wow. I kind of have, I have a, I have a little bit of a different 
memory of it where I feel like that revelation reached out to you because they loved okay. falling forward. And I think that they were interested before Ron Rents reached out to them. They wanted to know what you were up to because they okay. loved. Yeah. And like I said, I might, yeah, I might get all that wrong, but we were definitely like, uh, talking with them and, you know, there's so many labels, you know, at that time, I had always been a huge, uh, since filled fan, um, quicksand, um, you know, Texas once, uh, cause I knew Norm back in the day before he started doing that project. And, uh, you know, so to me, it was just once it was just kind of a perfect fit. So I want to jump forward even further now. So, you know, you guys do us songs in 98. Now the record that really touched me and all of my friends eat like, like hardcore punk rock dudes that have this record is, right. you know, the one that everybody's probably asking you about false cathedrals. For one thing, the name of the record is pretty awesome. I mean, it just kind of evokes a certain feeling, a certain color. Like, I don't know. It just, it always kind of, the cover art was kind of mysterious. Like I've had so many people that I know that have been in like metal bands, hardcore bands, punk bands that we all agree on that record when you guys were making that record or even writing that record did it feel special i mean i know people always it's always 2020 vision you know it comes out later on it's recognized but when you were making that and writing that how did it feel to you guys while you were kind of creating that record i'll let i'll let kevin maybe start on this one because he had such a huge hand in the in the writing process this was a time when um he kind of got the step from behind the drums and and have a heavy hand and 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 writing some of those songs do you want to you want to start it off Kevin? gosh i mean it was really the first i definitely don't feel like it felt special per se it was just extremely exciting because for me, I was always the drummer and I was just starting to learn how to write songs and play on their instruments. And so I was just so excited to be in a band with people who wanted it to be a democratic process and wanted everyone to be a part. And it wasn't, you know, just a thing where there was one person who was kind of like the leader and, and, and everyone was really encouraging everyone and it just felt so fun and it's so exciting to like be picking up the guitar sitting around the piano and kind of figuring out how to play those instruments and so it was just really exciting you know um i don't think that i don't really feel like we knew what we were doing you know we were so young it was like it was we were just so excited anyone was even excited to kind of put some money behind us to put us in the studio. We were so excited that we had the opportunity to make a record. And I was starting to get excited about production at that point and had started, I'd always had a four track, you know, and had messed around with stuff that I was starting to like kind of buy gear and kind of pay for it by recording friends, bands and stuff like that. So I was so excited to also learn that side of the process and to work with like a, a proper producer and engineer and like a, 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 a like a really nice proper studio that wasn't just like some guy's living room in, in Louisville, you know? And so I think it was just a really exciting time, you know, where like all of our synapses were really firing, you know, we were all kind of moving together in this thing and it was just really exciting, you know, but I don't think any of us knew what we were doing or yeah. felt like 
anyone was going to care. You know, we were just like trying to do something that we liked and not to be naive or like overly humble about it. I mean, we hoped people would like it definitely, you know, uh, but, uh, you know, we were, we were just so excited to be doing it. So yeah. you, and, uh, you were just talking okay. about, uh, about, you know, getting excited about recording. I know that currently you're, you know, you run, you own and run a recording studio called the funeral home. Is that kind of, even though you had a four track and you were getting into it, was that experience of kind of seeing the behind the scenes on the production? Did that really kind of start that fire for you? 150%. I mean, I learned more in that four or five week period ever learned in like a school setting or, you know, doing it on my own. I mean, just like that hands-on knowledge of working with someone who was open to sharing that, we know what they were doing in the process was like, I mean, it was like, it was a fast track. It was a really, it was huge. Yeah, definitely. So Chris, you were going to say something. I cut you off. I'm, I apologize for that. What were you going to say? Oh, no, no problem. Um, well, just, you know, I was going to touch on some of the, just the idea of the record or, you know, we, the false cathedrals is actually that painting was a painting before the record was ever considered. And so that was by an artist, uh, Greg King, who is a friend of ours. Um, and basically we just asked permission, like, man, we want to, not only do we love the painting, but like, we want the name as well, yeah. which, you know, <laughs> you know, that would have been a, a huge, who knows what, what would have happened if he was like, yeah, no, I'm not, I'm not really interested, but he, um, he, you know, on his, uh, behalf or just you know he he wanted to hear the lyrics uh he wanted to hear some of the record you know he did he wasn't going to just let it go to you know anybody or anything he wanted to make sure it was respectful um you know because of his beliefs and 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 whatnot but greg was in a band that was a huge influence on our band which was a band called rachel's which was like you know very much mentors for us so yeah, yeah. Just you know, if, if even musically, there's you know so different, but the, you know, as human beings and and just people here in Louisville, they're just some of the the best people you could be around. Um, but he was open to the to the uh, the idea, and uh, really just gave us um, you know so much to work with that it all just it all just kind of fit together perfectly. This is the story of Whitney Houston. This is the story of Kurt Cobain. Of George Michael, of Otis Redding, of Amy Winehouse, of Michael Hutchins, Bob Marley. This is the story of Prince. It's a new podcast series. About how they died, why they died, and why we're still talking about them so long after. It's like nothing you've ever heard before. It's storytelling. But it's more than that, because rock stars... They tell us how we feel. They change our mood. They change the clothes we wear, the people we hang out with. The way we remember things. It's them who give us those ludicrous moments, the ones where you're... Jumping around, singing your heart out, feeling understood. And it's those moments we'll help you remember, the ones you're thinking about right now. That feeling. That feeling. It's coming soon from Crowd Network. Just search for Death of a Rockstar on your podcast app. And subscribe now. 
So when you guys were recording False Cathedrals, <clears throat> you know, you're working with a producer, you're working with like a real engineer, a real studio for weeks at a time to do this. What was the pressure like? Because, you know, the record before that, I love that record. I love all the things you guys have put out. False Cathedrals, it seemed like the production game was upped. It seemed like maybe there was more time spent on melodies, more time on harmonies even, you know, coming like harmony vocals and just different aspects of instrumental production. Was there some pressure? Was it like a new thing? Did did any of you kind of freak out in the studio? Because I know when you get into the studio for that first reel, it's like, oh, I'm not a fully formed musician. I thought I was awesome and now I'm under a microscope. So how was that? And we, we were so fucking prepared. I mean, we were like, we were not, there was definitely no pressure. I mean, we spent so much time recording the demo that we just knew precisely what we wanted to do. So it was just like execution. And then also Toby, the producer, was just so in love with Chris's voice and was such a vocally centric person. He had so many great ideas on different ways to use Chris's voice and was really, you know, like, pushing Chris to do all these like layers and all these really, really cool things. It was so exciting. And, and I actually have this really great memory that I just remembered recently. I have been listening to false cathedrals a lot recently, just because, you know, we're going to, we're going to perform it again and just trying to like beat it back into the brain. And I remember when we were recording the song drive on to me and, and Toby had this idea of this kind of um, delayed response of the vocal. So it's like the, the, the word drive anticipates the one on the chorus. So it was like, drive, drive. And Chris was like, so he, he was worried about it because he was like, it sounds like my dad when I'm in the car with him and he's trying to sing along. With <laughs> oh, the lyrics. So he's like always coming in after the word, you know, and I, I remember that memory. It was so funny, but Toby had a lot of great vocal ideas and Chris has like such an amazing voice. And it was like, they really teamed up on the vocal um, love one doing stuff that Chris had really never done before, you know, because we just didn't know. We were just a bunch of dumb kids, you know. Um, so that was really cool. Yeah, and we just kind of lucked out with, I mean, with all the people that we got to work with, you know, we had friends uh, that were living in LA at that point. And, you know, so we called them, like, hey, you want to be on this? So we got the Chandra and Lee Watson got to come in and do, uh, some of the stuff and then Kevin already pre-recorded uh the vocals for the beginning of uh Calm Americans uh with uh Teeple sisters. So we had just a lot of cool layers and, and voices and uh to kind of play with and kind of and it kind of added to that, you know, you know, false cathedral that almost, you know, chorus choir type uh you know, sound that was kind of mixed in there. So how, I mean, I don't, I kind of forget, I guess, cause I was just always a fan of you guys, but without, you know, a lot of internet stuff like there is now, the yeah. album is so revered now. And it's like this classic that everybody talks about when it came out, what was the reception like? Not just from, you know, the general public, but like, you know, maybe music critics or, any of the magazines or websites or whatever, like how was it when it came out? Cause I, I don't really remember. Right. I mean, you know, I think it was, it, so there, there's kind of a two part answer to that. I think it was received pretty well. Um, but then when we went to tour on it, 
uh, we had Jay and Jonathan both left the band right after, right before that first tour on it. And so we basically reworked uh, all those songs when we went out on tour. So it was, it wasn't, you know, they were still there, but they were different. And so if you, you had people that were, you know, even if they were fans of the record, they came out and saw us and we were a little bit off. Yeah. We were, it was a little different, you know, it's either a, a little more effects or a little, you know, so um, it was kind of, it was, we got a little of both. People were like, oh, this record's great. Oh man, you guys are weird. <laughs> like, what, <laughs> what did you all do? Like this isn't what I what I signed up for. But then that you know, we may have lost a little bit, but then we gained some people too because they're like, oh, well, these guys are doing something a little off or a little different. Um, I mean, I, overall, I it a lot of the times it felt like we were dealing with you know deers and headlights. We would play a show and people would just be staring at us we're like are you guys into this or you're not into it i'm not really sure i think you're into it you're because you're here and you haven't left yet but um you know and and things progressed and it was never a you know it was we were always trying to play with new people and get new crowds you know um you know but it was it was definitely it always seemed like somewhat of a struggle yeah i I would guess so I want to go even further into the future now. Now I know in 2003 song in the air, great record as well, even kind of pushing the envelope even further. And I know like uh, some of the, some of the new guys had a lot to do with that because you get new people into the fold and, and things change and new influences come up. But I want to talk about when you guys kind of broke up, right? Yeah. So at that point, you know, I think after, you know, Song in the Air was recorded, that process, we took so long writing that record. Um, you know, you know, it was the first time we had complete access to the studio. Kevin took on the, you know, the heavy burden of recording that himself. And, um, and we just spent a lot of time during that. And we... You know, we're financially, we're just coming off a, we had tried to do a tour. We jumped off it because we were probably just not the smartest businessmen in the world. <laughs> we, uh, was that, was that the toadies tour? Yeah. The toadies tour. Ah. So we had, a, you know, we had a trailer full of merch, um, and we just left the tour <laughs> and <laughs> not the smart, but we were like, you know what, we'll just go right into the studio and we'll we'll get this out. And, you know, we are, I believe Kevin, we weren't, we, we were planning on doing like an EP and it basically was not going to fulfill our obligation with revelation. Um, and so we had to turn that EP into a full length. Um, cause we were at that point going to go with, uh, Greg Glover, um at uh arena rock is that right yeah and um and so we had to kind of really dig in and and turn a you know to write more material and and it uh i think it's the amount of time that we just were 
pushing and pushing. I think that this, you know, and we were all, you know, living together. We had, we had a, uh, at, you know, even during false cathedrals, we had a, we started uh, working on the warehouse that we all lived at, um, or at least me, Kevin and, and Jay at that point. Um, and then uh, kind of like spiritually lost our way too. I mean, when we, when Jay and Jonathan left the band, they left the band maybe a week or two after we got home from recording false cathedrals, you know? And so we knew that we needed that record was coming out and we needed to like, we needed to put the band together, you know? And instead of just getting anybody or like spending the time to really find the right people, we really reached to find people that we really wanted to play with who in turn didn't really even want to be our band. We we just wanted them. uh, We don't even like your band. And we were like, but we, you know, like we think that we can, you know, like let's, let's make it together. Let's do thing, you know? And like in doing that, we ended up being in a band with people. It wasn't, it had, didn't have a flow to it. Cause like the new members didn't necessarily want to be there. And it was just, there was just, it just didn't have the same flow that it did when we were with making false, making the first two records. And it felt like we were kind of like, there was, there was a family element to it, you know? And it just got to the point where after a couple of years of like a lot of hard work and, and we were just not, hadn't found our way. And it just was like, we were all ready to do something different. You know, it just like, it just felt like it wasn't happening anymore, you know? Yeah. And and to say that you know they they weren't the the right guys, I think they were the they were the guys at the time that you know that we thought could push us, yeah, mm-hmm. and, and and you know develop into an area that we you know that we were excited about going. It's but it was definitely um, it was just hard, you know, yeah. And I think anything at that point would have, and we didn't want the easy, you know, we no. never, we never did the easy thing. We didn't pick, you know, we could have picked the guys that, you know, the guitar slingers or the guys that, you know, would have played what we, what they thought we wanted them to play, but we were always looking to push ourselves. And yeah, that's not the easiest thing to do. And, and I still love that, all that material that we made, like song in the air is like, is my favorite thing that, that we did you know and unfortunately I was still learning so much about how to operate the studio and just like I, I you know it was like it was really stressful for me because I didn't I didn't feel like I was doing as good of a job as as the record that we had made before you know it's like we were doing it ourselves you know and I was still learning and, and um like it's part of me that feels like I really boned that record you know um the of it because I was just like still figuring it out you know and it was just it was just an intense time you know we were there was financial trouble too I mean we were so broke and so stressed out you know and yeah I was just it was tough now yeah. that the the kind of posthumous record that came out in 05 I didn't write the name down in my notes and I didn't even really know it existed but I think oh, okay. now that I've talked to you guys <clears throat> I know it was a lot of the songs that were on seven inches and whatnot was that kind of to fulfill that contract with Revelation? No, that funny enough. So, um, basically, what that is is kind of a snapshot of what the band sounded like. Um, like if you would have gone and seen us on tour, uh, 
you know, after false cathedrals was, was made, we were like, this is what it sounded like. Cause there was really no, um, you know, that material hadn't been captured that way. Um, yeah, we made, it was a live record. We basically just recorded. We went in the studio and we recorded what we were doing on tour live in like a couple hours. Oh, okay. It was just, it was yeah. just a live. We also tacked onto it some stuff from Lost Seven Inches and some demos from False Cathedrals and all that stuff. You know, it was kind of ended up being a, a little bit of a com- culmination of a lot of different things. But um, but the meat of it was just like us live in the studio. Yeah, and so it it, it honestly like. Song in the Air completed our uh, contractual obligations, but then it also broke us up. <laughs> so <laughs> and so we didn't, uh, and we just like, well, hey, we, you know, we do want to capture what we've become at the end of all this, and that's kind of what photo recording was. Um, so when you guys broke up, you know, I know. Kevin, you were kind of on your way with the recording stuff. I'm sure that took up a lot of your time. Uh, Chris, you front the group Frontiers. Did that happen shortly thereafter, or was that later on down the line? It ended up being down the line. It, it immediately it was kind of I was planning on, you know, starting what what became Frontiers. I you know I wanted to do that right off the bat, but um, you know I, life has its ways of of working in there, and and I definitely wanted to concentrate on. Uh, starting a family and, and doing that whole thing. And then that just kind of ramped up and, and took on my, uh, you know, all my time for, I, I, I can't, I'd have to go back and, and look at the uh, time frame, but it was, it was at least four years or so before I even played any other music again. But I know Kevin was an amazing band, Wax Fang. Um, and uh, once, once he started playing drums like that again, that kind of, kicked me in the gear and be like, man, I, I gotta, I gotta do something. It won't be that good, but I gotta do something. It was um, actually fun too, because I, I started playing in Wax Fang and on our first tour, Chris actually came out on tour with us to take photos, which was awesome. But it was like, we were no bad blood really. Like we were all still friends and there was, there was no hard feelings at all. Everybody was just like trying to honor the moment and just like, we all knew we were ready to do different things. So there was, there was no, there was no anger. There was no yelling. Oh, yeah. No, it, was, it was funny. I remember Benny, Benny had, you know, it's like, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to quit. This is me, my last, whatever, or at least this is how my brain remembers it. And uh, I was like, wow, you know, I don't have it in me to go, you know, find another guitarist and, 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 recreate the recreation of the you know um, recreate this band again and um and i think you know and even kevin and i i think we we toyed with the idea you know or at least i maybe that was just wishful thinking that i was like oh i'll play with hopefully i'll play with kevin again if, if, if he wants to um but yeah there wasn't any bad blood it was just kind of like all right we we've run this course you know we are playing together again it just took 20 years <laughs> <laughs> well, that that's a great that's a great segue. So, <clears throat> it we're coming up on twenty years because you know the breakup was in two thousand three. A lot of bands are kind of doing this as of late. A lot of friends of mine they're getting back together for festivals or just because I don't know. I think a lot of the times 
you guys, once the band went away, you did other stuff. You know, you started families, you played in other bands, you had recording studios, you did everything you wanted to do. And then you realized that, wow, we made an impact. Maybe you didn't feel like you made an impact at the time, but you really did on people. Is that kind of what made you guys start thinking about coming back? Like, when did the talks begin about even just playing the show that you guys are getting ready to play? Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's always kind of been here and there, and maybe one person will bring it up, and, you know, the other people aren't really ready to do it again. Um, you know, probably start, you know, like, maybe – three, four years ago, Kevin, something, you know, like it'll be, you know, there'll be a talk or there'll be this. And, and honestly, Chad from Furnace Fest, he's been a, you know, was, has always been a, a champion of the band and, and always being so nice and gracious and asking the band to, you know, play the shows or um, to do Furnace Fest, you know, and, and every year we're like, oh, no, it's no, no. And then, you know, uh, this year he's, asked twice and when it <laughs> when he asked twice we we're like oh maybe he's not going to ask again <laughs> if he asked twice in one year um you know and so it really is just like okay well maybe this is time maybe you know it and i think definitely for the because of covid all that stuff so many people you know really like you know took um a look at their life and like okay what what has made me happy what what's something that you know really you know fulfilled me and obviously this was you know this band was a huge part um of us growing up and and playing music and and it was uh yeah it was like yeah we should we should do this we might we might not ever have another chance you know um so much of it is is the honoring. It took me a long time to kind of realize, to come to the conclusion that I wanted to offer the foundation from which I stand to where I feel like I was trying to separate myself from a long, separate myself from it from a long time, failing to realize that everything that I was standing on at the moment began, this foundation began at that time period of my life, you know, and realizing that the connection Ever been lost you know and actually like looking back with like honor and love about it you know and and wanting to, um the idea i had this actually huge realization recently when i went to go see the rolling stones believe it or not and i'm actually not a huge i love the rolling stones but i'm not like a huge stones fan but i i i love that band you know and they have obviously like unarguably incredible, you know, genius songwriting. And, and I have a couple of friends who actually love the Rolling Stones, you know, and, and the Rolling Stones were coming to Los Angeles and they wanted to go. And I was like, you know what, these guys are in there. You know, this is probably the last opportunity to see this great band just to see it, you know? And, um, and I went and it was one of the best concerts I've ever seen in my life. I was moved to tears. It was beautiful. And it was so inspiring. And I watched them bring the songs from their childhood into the present moment and celebrate it 
I'm going to get teared up just thinking about it. But just the, the the amount of love and celebration that was happening in that arena at one time from these people bringing their creative moments from the age that we were when we made False Cathedrals into the present moment and the amount of love and celebration was there. It was like an aha moment for me. I was like, you can bring it into the present and celebrate it and honor it. And it was, um, that was a huge moment for me in thinking about doing stuff like this, you know. Um, cause I kind of, I think I had this naive feeling about it for a long time. It was like, that was the past. This is the present, you know, and not realizing that it's all connected. You know? So I, I think that happens quite a bit because, you know, bands that I've played in and, and bands I've been friends with, they'll have a massive thing that touched so many lives when they were young. And then it's always about maturing and you know, becoming a better songwriter and, Oh, I wrote that when I was 20, I'm not going to play, but it, you know, like I was in the Ataris. If we went and didn't play boys of summer, the people got really pissed off. And there right. were, there were times where we didn't want to play that fucking song because for one right. thing we didn't, one thing we didn't write it, but I mean, another thing, it's just like, I would think even taking it to a larger level, I've, I've heard interviews with like James Hetfield. He doesn't want to play inner Sandman. It just, right. you write something yeah. or you play something that kind of becomes an identity of your band, but you want to become something else. You want right. to evolve into something else. But I, I love the fact that by going and seeing one of the biggest, most amazing bands in the world and them showing how they kind of approach it, you had that aha moment and it made you reconnect with something that was such a big thing in your life of getting you to where you are today. Right. Yeah. It's really, it's really neat. And it didn't feel like they were doing it to serve their own ego. It's like they were doing it. It was like a, it was a togetherness with it, yeah. with everything. Just really, really cool. Right. Yeah. I think, you know, as a, I mean, it's even hard to say as a musician, you know, playing these songs and being a part of this group, it's also something that I want to do, not only for us, but for the people that have cared about this music. Um, you know, because we've never have got to play, you know, the songs on Foth Cassette Girls the way that they were actually written and recorded that time like you know some of the songs have never been recorded at all so uh or i'm sorry performed um mm -hmm. live so it's it's gonna be scary and fun and <laughs> yeah <laughs> difficult but it's also gonna be you know a really special thing to share i think so what yeah. what's the rehearsal like because i know kevin you're in los angeles i i think chris you are you in kentucky yeah, yeah, we're still. I'm still in Louisville. Are the other uh, guys yeah. spread out as well? We're not going to rehearse at all. We're just going to jump. <laughs> <up there. laughs> yeah, well, that's what it feels like right now. The um, we're all just right now. We're we're you know left to our own devices, and and we're working on the songs ourselves. And then we're going to get together. Uh, everybody here that's local, we're going to be getting together. I mean, it's, you know, it is a little frightening. I mean, I realized today, I'm like, oh, we're coming up. We, we've got a, just a few months to pull this off. So I've got to uh, crack down and, and, and start making it happen. Um, but we're, everybody that's here, we're going to be getting together uh, more frequently. And then um, we're going to pull some, some hardcore 
weekends together. Yeah. I think the idea is to kind of break it up into two big chunks. We give our, we get together for like, uh, you know, four or five days and hash everything out months before we need to, to see what the strengths and weaknesses are. And then everybody goes away and concentrates on the things that aren't happening and then works on those things and then comes back and then we'll do like another week before, before we need to actually do any other creatures. And then that's kind of a loose plan. Yeah. So you're going to be here like this weekend. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) No, it'll, you know, but we're opening for the Rolling Stones. Yeah. <laughs> I have a feeling everybody in the band would probably be on board with that. Yeah. No, oh, yeah. So let's, you know, we, uh, I've had you guys on here for quite a while. We, we've kind of covered everything now. What does the future hold? Is this going to, is this just like a celebration of the band and you're going to go to furnace fest and just have a blast and celebrate with all the people or could there maybe be some stuff in the future? Like, have you guys ever discussed, like, not full-on, full-time stuff, but maybe some new stuff? There's, there's, I think we're the only thing, as this sounds like such a political question, <laughs> running for president or not? And the answer is always like, I'm just focused on being the mayor of Cleveland right now. Uh, but the answer really is, it's like, it really is like, we're just going to do, we're just going to do this show. And, and, you know, it's like, if, there's even no, not, not even let any more thoughts come in until it's like, even that is like something that feels, feels good and fun, you know? So. Right. Yeah. I think definitely right now we're just focusing on this and like you said, a celebration and uh, just have fun with, with each other and, and see what it feels like. And, and, you know, sure. I would, I would love to, I would love for it to spark just a, a continuous flow um of things but i have no you know i've kind of left that ambition part (laughs) alone yeah (laughs) i I don't i want to just have fun and and you know do this and and we'll see what happens from there and the prior like you know just with the with the you know with the the wisdom of just the 20 years behind us and it's like there would it would only make sense if it was just like something that sounded really fun, you know. Like yeah. if it was something we were gonna really get some enjoyment out. We really like we got done with this thing. And we're like, man, I'm gonna miss these guys. Like I, I really want to create a situation where we spend more time together, you know, and, and whatnot. So, you know, we'll just we'll wait and see. Well, what can I can I expect? Possibly a Falls Cathedral's repressing on vinyl because I don't have it, and it's really expensive if you go on eBay. I think it is being repressed right now. Okay, great. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think this. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Rev had started repressing before the, we even knew that we were doing this. And so. I don't um, even know. knows that we're getting back together. <laughs> <laughs> they know now, but they, yeah, it wasn't, it's not, I don't know if it's a concern or something that they're really, you know, um, freaking out about or anything i think they haven't reached out to us about it so (laughs) yeah but it's uh there was a yeah there was always there was always i always get hit up more about you know t-shirts from them than i do about you know record pressings but (laughs) um 
but I think I think uh, I know it is getting repressed. Yeah. So you are you guys? Do you understand that at Furnace Fest you're probably going to get fanboyed out or fangirled out by a lot of people? Because I'm telling you, I'm not even talking about people there watching the show. I'm talking about bands. Because I remember back in like 2004 on the Warp Tour, uh, I got to hang out quite a bit with the guys from Alexis on Fire, and they would not shut up about False Cathedrals and about Elliot. And they've been a band that's been kind of on hiatus and come back and forth, you know, and they're playing Furnace Fest. So I really hope right. that you guys get to hang out with them and they can tell you how much they love your band because they told me oh, in 2004 yeah. <laughs> how much they love your band. That's awesome. I think, yeah, we definitely have some um, connections. I think, uh, Kevin, you have some uh, ties with them, right? Yeah, I know. I, I've met uh, Dallas a couple times. And he's a super, super sweet guy. And he actually has played with some friends of mine. And I, I, I know some of the people that play in City and Color. And and, um, and I actually produced a record for um, Dine Alone uh, right before the pandemic. And his his manager wrote Dine Alone. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. Joel is like, man, and like we definitely like had some late nights drinking, you know, <laughs> like on that road, which was fun. Uh, and it's an honor. It's just, it's a really so cool, you know. It's like I definitely like. There's so many bands that I'm excited to see. Well, I tell you, man, you you guys, this has been an honor for me. I I know that probably a lot of people are hitting you up to be on podcasts and and wanting to know what's going on with the band. I just you guys were kind of my entry point. Like I listened to a lot of the DC stuff, like you were talking about, like, you know, what I consider to be emo isn't taking back Sunday. It's rights of spring and it's all, it's bands from the right. discord stuff. So when I heard you guys, I don't know, it, it, it opened my mind. Like I said, I was a punk and metal hardcore guy. And when I heard you, it made me take notice of a lot of other genres and bands that kind of were of your ilk, you know? So <clears throat> I just want to say thank you for that. I'm a massive fan of what you guys do, even if it's just one show and I get to actually buy false cathedrals on vinyl without spending $400. I'm excited. <laughs> and just thank you so much for being on the show today. And anytime you guys want to come back, I'm down to talk, man. Awesome. Oh, man, thank you so much. Are the Atari so much. still play? What was that? Do the Atari still play? The Atari still play. I was like the fifth guitar player. And uh, they've had like four since I left. <laughs> and I'm, st I'm still really tight with Chris Rowe, the singer. And we, he's been on the show a million times. And uh, they, they were actually had a tour booked, a big, massive United States tour right before the pandemic hit. So they haven't really mm -hmm. played a show now in like two years. I don't know when they're coming back. But uh, yeah, they're working on a new record. They're still kicking. And, and there was no bad blood, just like when you guys were done with what was going on. And I'm I'm playing in a band called Fire Sale now with Matt Riddle from New Use for a Name, and we're getting ready oh, to put wow. we're getting ready to put out a record, and you know we're just doing the doing the thing where you never leave your house and do everything over the internet. <laughs> right, <laughs> that's awesome, man. I'll have to check it out. The uh, Fire Sale. Yes, yes, sir. I, I would appreciate that. I I doubt you'll like it as much as I like you guys, but that's that's cool. <laughs> oh man, our, our like I said, our you know. Each of us have such different um, musical tastes, and you know, I'm I'm kind of I'm kind of all over the place. Uh, but uh, but yeah, I'm always, especially in the last couple of years, I've been just trying to find new music. Yeah. You know, you know, it's just like 
you know, you find a band that you like or, you know, and you just want more and more. And so I, I you know, I'm a fan of this podcast and a lot of other ones because I use that as a way of finding new music and, you know, uh, new ways of, you know, listening and understanding about, you know, what's going on. Because once you get into the world of, you know, kids and family and work, you know, it's sometimes it's hard to. Oh, yeah. And, but, you know, so I use I use people like Kevin that that never, uh, you know, they stayed in. They're still he's still in the world. <laughs> he's still in the world. He's he's, he's living the life of the uh, of the rock. So, uh, do you guys have any other socials other than the, the Instagram? Do you have a website, anything people can check you guys out or is it just kind of the Instagram right now? I think it's just the, (laughs) (laughs) and we barely had that. Like when, once we, we don't even run that. Our friend runs it for us. (laughs) Vic, (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Vic and, and Eva have been, uh, so helpful in all of this. Um, and, you know, through the whole band's career, the, those two people have been our biggest uh, champions and, and and helped us, you know, anything we've done right, they've been a part of, for sure. Well, then everybody needs to go, uh, I can't even remember, I think it's Elliot Band or something like that. Just search for Elliot with uh, two L's and two T's, you'll find it. Uh, other information is on the Furnace Fest website, check that out. Also... You guys are on all the streaming platforms. I don't know if you make a dime off that, but everybody should go listen to you guys because it's awesome. All the records are up there. Um, once again, today's been an honor, and uh, thank you so much for coming on the show, guys. I appreciate it. Oh, absolutely, Chris. Uh, have a great day. I'll talk to you guys later, and uh, hope to see you at Furnace Fest, man. Awesome, man. So there it was. My conversation with Chris and Kevin from the band Elliot. Uh, this was a big episode for me. I still almost weekly spin their record, False Cathedrals. I love that record so much. It's one of my favorite albums. And like I said, I am so down for a repressing, but I don't want to spend four or $500 on an original copy. So uh, Revelation Records, let's get to it. Let's get that out so I can, I can purchase one. <laughs> I uh, I feel like, you know, speaking of that, I feel like Elliot's music sounds way better on vinyl. There's much more. The peaks and valleys and the dynamics uh, sound much better on vinyl. That's just my opinion. So make sure to check out Elliot anywhere you can, but they are on Instagram at Elliot Band Official. That is two L's and two T's, Elliot Band Official. And if you are attending Furnace Fest this year, which you should be because the lineup is insane. Make sure to check out Elliot while you're there. Put them on your little card of bands you want to check out and go see them live. They do not disappoint live. I, like I said, I've never seen them live, but I've seen the videos and they are awesome. So check them out. So that's it for this week. I appreciate you spending so much time with me when I am here. I know I've been gone for a couple weeks, but uh, please, if you would follow us on the socials, at TOTOT Podcast. Follow my band Fire Sale on the socials as well. At Fire Sale is a band. And check out our website, firesaleisaband.com. If you need to get in touch with me, it is super, super easy. You can hit me up on any of the socials or at TOTOT Podcast at gmail.com. Make sure to check out our website, 
TOTOTpodcast.com and grab some merch while you are there. It's the best way to support the show because you're a walking billboard at that point because we have shirts. We have all kinds of really cool stuff. Pick some up. You won't regret it. So I'm going to leave you with a song from the record that got me into Elliot, that record False Cathedrals that I love so much. I love all their stuff, but that record really spoke to me. I'm going to play one of my favorites from that album. It is called Calm Americans. It is also their highest streamed song on Spotify. So I'm not alone. I'm not alone in loving this song and loving that record. So I hope that you guys enjoy it as much as I do. Such a great band. Elliot. Love you guys. Thank you so much for being on the show. So once again, thanks for sticking with me. I appreciate the support. Some great episodes in the coming weeks. I also might start doing like a throwback Thursday type episode thing where I play a classic TOTOT episode. And uh, that way you don't have to dig through four years of crap to find something. I always wonder that like somebody comes to the podcast because they like to guest. And then there might be like 20 episodes of guests that they would like. But did they do they go back? Did they search all the way back to the beginning to find like the crazy other guests I've had? Or do they just, you know oh, this is a cool podcast, and start listening. I dig deep. When I find a podcast I like, I dig and dig and dig and dig. So I don't know if you do that. So I'm going to – I've seen some other people do it. I know Damien over at Turned Out a Punk does this once in a while, and uh, just different podcasts that I listen to, they might just like repost a classic episode with a cool guest that's a a few years back, and then maybe a whole bunch of new people check it out. So I think I might try try that in the future for like a little throwback Thursday classic episode of that one time on tour. Uh, let me know if you think that's a good idea. And also shoot me an email and let me know what your favorite episode is. Maybe we could do like a poll where you tell me we have like th- five episodes we're going to repost. Like what order we do them in? I don't know. Trying to get you involved. Trying to Trying to have some fun with the podcast again. But that's it. I'm out. I love you guys and girls. This is uh it's it's weird. I haven't done this for like three or four weeks. So I'm I'm glad I'm back into it. Great guest coming up. It's gonna be awesome. Remember to be kind to one another. As always, this is Chris. See you soon. Peace. Bound to all of our Common man things You'll come quick You'll come here now A fool to make it all away You step where you fall You climb when you care You're looking to lie Your body repair You're minuteing when the time is
Hey, this is Lars Fredrickson from Rancid. This is Mark O'Connell from Taking Back Sunday. This is Tom from MXPX. Hey, this is Jay Bramley from Bad Religion. This is Vinny from Less Than Jake. This is Travis from Coheed and Cambria. This is Chris number two for the band Anti-Flag. Hey, this is Ricky Rocket from Poison. This is Pete Parada from The Offspring. Hey, this is Zach Blair from Rise Against. Hey, this is Eddie from the band Thrice. Hi, this is Frank Turner. Hey, this is Jim from Pennywise. Hey, this is Eric Smelly, the drummer of No Effects. Hi, this is Bill from Faith and More. Hey, this is Chris from Propagandy. Hi, this is Roy from No Use for Name. Hi, this is Ben Gillies from Silverchair. This is Stefan from Descendants, and you're listening to That One Time On Tour with Chris Swinney. Hey, this is Steve Choi, host of the Musicians Guild podcast, part of the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. Within the four walls of the Musicians Guild, we'll be discussing the habits, idiosyncrasies, experiences, and general psychology of my friends and peers, all involved with music in various capacities. Listen and subscribe at SoundTalentMedia.com. <laughs> 